0: Raise a couple more to the revolution. We have only three
1: words for you. Uh-oh. We're taking over the Why not raise a little
0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of the Q Zero Theater Cast. This is your host. Artistic director Dan Pelletier. Here today with two actors who are going to be starring in our summer production of Next to Normal. Uh, To my left is Zach Byron. Hi. And to my uh, right is Mackenzie Goodwin. Hello. Uh, They will be playing Henry and Natalie, respectively. I'm Natalie. Okay, (laughs) changing up the cast list on me. This is part of our, our first for this show, Get to Know Our Cast... Series and we just had a nice rehearsal with uh, the two of them So we figured we'd interview them both as a unit since they share a good amount of stage time together But let's kind of start with the background Uh, So Zach tell the people a little bit about yourself uh, Your theater
2: background and what brought you to next to normal. I've done theater all my life. Uh, I kind of just grew up with it anyways Um, I'm from Manchester New Hampshire, so that's a a fun area to grow up with theater, especially with uh, all the surprisingly uh, well, theater companies that we have there, which wouldn't really make sense, but we do. We have a lot of there, um, and I've grown up uh, over the past six years at a local theater, uh, the Palace Theater, and I knew Dan through that, uh, the director. I met him a couple years back to that, um, and I've kept up with his work because uh, I liked his work style. And then he offered me to come audition. Er, audition. He told me about the auditions, um, and then I came and auditioned for the show because I loved the show itself, and I was thrilled that we had. Dan behind the wheel of directing it, so uh, now I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Zach uh,
0: and Mackenzie. Yourself, uh, what's your brief history of your theater background and what brought you to Next to Normal?
3: Well, I really got involved in theater when I was seven years old. My class did a production of like some fairy tale play that the teacher wrote, and Rapunzel was out absent. So me, being the diva I was, took her role. <laughs> um, and then I started doing theater with actor singers in Nashua. Um, And that's where I met Dan when we did Footloose with the teen company uh, a couple years ago. Next to Normal's always been a favorite show of mine. So when I saw the auditions and knew who was on the team, I knew I had to come out.
0: Mm. Footloose feels like forever ago for me. That was actually the last show I did that I didn't produce myself. Everything since then has either been uh, (laughs) Q-Zero or with uh, the Drama Club at Central. So Zach, you said you've been doing uh, theater for, you know... Long, long time. What roles have you played in the past that you particularly enjoyed and why? Like, what are some of your favorite... Favorite past uh, performances?
2: A lot of them have come within the past five years. Um, I didn't really start focusing on acting as much until I started being able to play roles that I could connect with. So the first role that I kind of really connected with, I think personally, was Emmett Forrest when I did a production of Legally Blonde. Because I wasn't really expecting that role at all. And then I got it and I realized how interesting characters can be once you look more into them past their just, you know, layer of who they are on stage. You can actually get more into them through their lines and the scripts and whatnot. Um, and that's when I kind of discovered, not I did not discovered, but I kind of went more in depth with character work. I've been blessed to play a whole range of characters since then. I just kind of a couple months, a couple months back, I played a uh, version of Elvis Presley in All Shook Up. I played Chad, and that was so far away from my normal personality that it was, <laughs> it was definitely an interesting take. Um, and then doing a bunch of you know children's theater work over the summer, with uh, with a theater I'm affiliated with. Um, Uh, It's interesting to play characters, you know, much much farther away from reality. Like Lumiere, I played, which was bizarre, but it was it was interesting because there's a range of characters that you can understand and relate to, and then there's characters you can't at all, and it's interesting to take on both as a challenge. So,
0: would you say you enjoy more the? characters that are like yourself but turned up maybe to like 11 or do you prefer playing a character that's maybe further away from uh who
2: you are i think there's aspects of both that you can really get behind because when you're playing a character who's supposed to be grounded and realistic there's only so much you can do with stage presence and whatnot but when you're playing a you know a knockoff version of elvis presley you can do whatever you want with your pelvis and everyone's gonna love it <laughs> so that's it's always um fun but i think personally i like you know, more personal characters that I can relate to because I think it's more interesting to see and reflect their growth through the minimal, um, amount of words that they say on a stage and help audience understand where they're from without just blatantly saying, you know, what's on their mind 24-7.
0: Mackenzie, what about you? Uh, what are some of your favorite past roles besides, uh, you know, diva Rapunzel there?
3: <laughs> um, so until about two years ago, I really got sort of stuck in this, like, top-tier female ensemble kind of place in theater, Um, And the first role that really brought me out of that was I did uh, Spring Awakening, the play version, um, with the actor-singers, and I was Venla Bergman, and I can honestly say that role changed my life. I've always been someone who's loved dramatic acting, and that certainly took it pretty far. Mm. Um, And then immediately after that, I did Bye Bye Birdie with the Wyndham Actors Guild, and I played Ursula, who's very polar opposite of Venla. Um, And I've never been too comfortable with comedy, so getting that was really fun. Uh, This past summer, I was in Reefer Madness, and I played Mary Lane. Uh, It was a big jump for me.
0: I think there's often a a misunderstanding of the importance and the difficulty of being in the ensemble, though. Uh, I think a lot of people that are either new to theater or outside the theater are like, oh, you're in the ensemble, you're not anybody. But like in a lot of Mm -hmm. shows, uh, you know, we were talking about like footloose. The ensemble was on stage more often than yeah. any character, and you could have you know, fifteen different costumes. Where and you're playing like four or five different things, and just trying to keep track of all of that um, can I find could be more more of a challenge and almost more rewarding than you know necessarily being down center and in the spotlight. I feel everybody needs a, a turn in the ensemble. Good good thing just to learn how it works. Gives you respect for. Uh, you know, different aspects and can humble you a little if you're used to being in the spotlight all the time. So, you know, you talked to that, you, you know, you were in the play version of Spring Awakening. Um, do you prefer musicals over drama, over straight plays, or straight plays over musicals?
3: Well, if you had asked me before I did Spring Awakening, I for sure would have said musicals. I had never done a straight play before. That was the first straight play I was ever involved in. And I just have a newfound appreciation for them because of course it's fun to get up and sing and dance, but There's a lot in straight plays that you don't get in musicals So I don't know if I have a preference. Mm -hmm. I think each has its merits But
2: and Zach have you only done musicals? Do you have any (laughs) non-musical experience? Uh, I've done limited, but I I mean the majority of my work has been in musicals, but I've done a couple Uh, I did the cursed word. I did Macbeth a long time ago. Mm. Um, it was interesting. Yeah. Um, who were you in Macbeth? I was a little kid who got shot. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, um, <laughs> it might have been a. It might have been a of their own version of the story, but that's uh, who I played. I'm trying to think. I mean, in, were you? You could have been uh,
0: one of Macduff's children, or I had a mom. You, and, young, young <laughs> Yeah, you were probably. Yeah,
2: so you were probably uh, child Macduff. Probably. Yeah, that they get right. they get brutally murdered. Oh yes, in I got Act shot the there. It's a good time. I mean, but I, I've you know I've seen my my fair share of straight plays. Um, I've only been a you know in a couple of them, but I've seen them yeah. so I, I I think like I agree with Mackenzie, um, I think it's a different experience for both. I think a lot of the time straight plays when it's not you know something like Macbeth or something um, are in my opinion more grounded something that people can relate to on a personal level when it's you know musicals can be like I don't know Alice in Wonderland where it's just like this completely different bizarre world that is almost impossible to relate to at times. So it's kind of like going to see a movie um, where either it's, you know, a grounded comedy where you can be like, yeah, this could happen in real life or something where it kind of lets the audience escape from everything and be in this world for a little, little while. You know, you said you've been
0: performing since you were really young. Four years old. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but, in, you know, we were talking earlier before the podcast that you do plan on going to school for this long term. And Mackenzie, mm-hmm. you're currently in school for this. Uh, either, if either of you want to start, like, what in particular or when was the moment you knew you wanted to make uh, theater a possible career and lifestyle?
2: I think I've I've always kind of planned on doing it, but I didn't. I don't think it really s- like clicked until most of uh, these people who I grew up with started going away to college. Um, especially a year back, I had some really close friends, you know, go away to college as you do. You graduate, whatnot, um, and I saw some of them choose to go into theater, and some of them choose to not go into theater. Um, and it's it really put into perspective how a lot of these people who I know around me and grew up with in theater um, aren't always taking it as a career choice, and I've you know, found through their perspectives that a lot of them didn't want to do it when they were younger. They were always just, this is, you know, a fun thing to do on the weekends. Um, but I kind of always looked at it as like, I want to do it. Um, and especially, like I said, when I started realizing that there's depth to characters you can, you can find, Mm -hmm. um, I, I, there's something about you know entertaining and telling stories that I really like, so it makes me really happy, and I think I just want to keep doing that as much as I can and as long as possible. Great. Mackenzie, same question. What When was the moment you decided, and like what brought
0: you to being a theater major?
3: I had always wanted to do it, but when I enrolled in college, I sort of steered away from it, because everyone tells you it's not a good idea.
0: It's not. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I recently uh, spoke at Career Day at Central High School... Uh, and I gave a 40-minute f- uh, presentation on working in the arts entitled, Don't. <laughs> no, I'm sorry to cut you off.
3: <laughs> yeah, so I struggled. I went through a couple different majors when I first got into school. Um, but I got a job in the costume shop at Plymouth, where I attend. And it really hit me that like I can't imagine not being involved in theater. Um, because I took a couple months in between Reefer Madness and like, getting adjusted to school and... It just, like, it was hard to step away from that because it's something I've been doing consistently year-round for so long. Um, And I'm still not a theater major. I discovered a passion while working in the costume shop for costume design and set design, so picking that up as a major um, is something I'm going to be figuring out as I continue on.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a, a big challenge, I mean... I think it has to be like that. You have to be at a place where you can't imagine being anything but. You got to have that resilience and, uh, you know, bust your butt and work difficult. What brought you, you know, you said you're, you know, more kind of leaning towards design and theater tech, like what helped make that transition? You know, what brought you there? And if you can go into some more depth on that.
3: I've always been someone who's been very into the design aspects of theater. Um, even while I was performing as a child, I was helping out with tech aspects. And, um, but working in the costume shop, I was inspired to take a class taught by my boss, um, costume construction. Um, and getting to take that class really like, pulled something out of me that I just really loved doing that. And obviously, I'm, I'm still a performer. I mean, I'm here, um, and I like to do both. Ideally, I would like to continue doing both. Um, So I'm glad I don't have to give up one to do the other. Mm. um, Because there are a lot of people who are strictly like a designer or a performer. But I think in the costume shop, I learned from some great people that you don't need to choose. And that there's a lot of fun stuff behind the scenes, too.
0: I mean, most of them are... People that work with Q0 consistently are always doing more than once, you know? Long-term, play your cards right, and you can come design and, and perform for us. Zach, have you put any thought into uh, a design or tech elements, or and if not, like, why have you, you know, steered away from
2: that? Totally. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's always something pulling the back of my mind, which is similar to McKenzie's uh, situation, but, not situation, but, you know, uh, <laughs> experiences that... Um, I really enjoy costume design and I'm not entirely sure where it came from, but one day I just, you know, uh, we were told to put together some sort of costume plot for a character in some show I did, uh, can't remember what it was, but I started doing that and then I realized how much I enjoyed it because it was something that I wasn't just like, oh, go to Goodwill and pick out a flannel and t-shirt. It was something like make something that is particular for the show. And I found that pretty interesting. Um, and then I started looking into this like whole community of people who do it not professionally but literally just for fun and then there's people who do it you know and go to con conventions or whatnot and you know make these amazing outfits there's people who do it for theater and make these spectacular like 40 pound dresses for people to wear on Broadway or something that I just have a uh, deep respect for because it's something that is much more difficult than mm. it is uh, than it might look so it's always been in the back of my mind yeah. um yeah. No, um,
0: it's great that I'm surrounded by people that have a passion for costume design. It's <laughs> just, it's my weakest area of design. I was actually, uh, for a time when I was in college, banned from the costume shop. Because um, when I interviewed uh, to, to work for the department, um, I was asked what my sewing experience was by the costume shop manager. And I, uh, I looked at Stephanie and I'm like, well, in the seventh grade, I made a sweatshirt <laughs> Uh, and one sleeve was two inches longer than the other, and she said your services will not be needed in the costume shop, but you can gladly work in the scene shop. I'm like, thank you. So I wasn't allowed to touch anything, I had to work my way up to being allowed to use the iron. <laughs> they don't of trust in you, clearly. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, they trust me with a sawzall, but not a sewing machine.
1: Hey, Q-Zero fans. This is artistic associate Tom Locke coming to you, asking if you were wondering how you can join the revolution. The easiest way to join the revolution is to become a Q0 member today. By becoming a member, you're going to help us bring more work to you. Included with that are many great benefits, including our newsletter, merchandise, signed memorabilia, exclusive podcasts, exclusive videos, access to our new works blog, and so much more. We have two different options that you can use to become a member. One is our annual option through our GoFundMe, or we also now offer a monthly option through our Patreon, starting at as low as just $2 a month. Search Q0 on either GoFundMe or Patreon, or check out the links in the show description. Sign up today and join the revolution. So let's talk a
0: little bit more about Next to Normal. Mackenzie, you play Natalie, the daughter of uh, the main character, Diana, who is our central focus of the show, the one suffering with a manic depression, bipolar. Uh, Zach, your Henry, who is the boyfriend of Natalie. Um, I know we've only been rehearsing for, like, what, two, two and a half weeks now, but, like, what has the uh, early process been like for you guys? And, you know, what have you learned in this short time?
3: I've really had to channel and go back to a place that I was. Natalie's 16, and I'm nearly 20, so having to get back into that headspace of, like, you know, I'm a teenager, there's a lot going on, especially in Natalie's case with dealing with her family and everything they go through, it's channeling a lot of angst um, that I haven't been in touch with for a while.
0: <laughs> I, I do find <laughs> Natalie, Natalie is a bit more... Not necessarily mature, but like has had mu- much more life experience yeah. than the average 16 year old just because her mother is such a vibrant personality and they have had so many major life things happening with their family. I mean, we don't want to give too much away, but you know, they do have a past of some deep trauma and various things that have put her mother in this situation and then just dealing with. Uh, You know her mother having these episodes and I feel like it does affect the characters personal life So like there's it's not just playing a 16 year old. It's playing a 16 year old. That's probably seen more than most 30 year olds.
3: I think she certainly had to grow up a lot faster than yeah, yeah Everyone else <laughs>
2: and Zach, what has you know this early process for Henry been like? Henry is an interesting case because there's a lot going on in this show. That is, this the show is very family based. It takes place with a single family, um, you know, obviously with the doctor and uh, Henry being the exceptions of that. But it's particularly in Natalie's part of the story, um, she has her own kind of B plot story going on of how it's affecting her. And Henry is kind of like the window or like the doorway to the outside world of uh letting the audience view it from sort of an outside perspective. Cause in terms and, you know, relation of the the family that Natalie is a part of, Henry's life isn't that. It's kind of more uh normal in a sense of like what an average 17 year old might be doing. So um so seeing him interact with, you know, Natalie and and help trying to guide her and help her through all she's going through is interesting. Um it'll be more interesting to explore the character um you know, once the our rehearsals really get picking yeah. up and we get more story depth, but it's it's interesting trying to make him um somebody that's understandably trying to help Natalie than someone who's just kinda like blubbering relationship problems.
0: One of the things that I really enjoy about the script just on paper is that I feel like Henry could have been a very two dimensional character and he but he actually has probably one of the bigger character arcs from who he is at the top of the show versus who he is at the end of the show. Um, I think he also, just from being with Natalie, matures a lot and goes through um, some of these different life experiences. So it's really interesting to, you know, you start with this character that's a self-admitted, you know, procrastinating, lazy stoner, that becomes this very mature young adult um, that, you know, realizes what's important in life and how his choices can affect other people and what he has to do to, you know, get the things that he wants. Um, I think
2: it's a dangerous slope of um, how you portray it, especially yeah. because it, it's so easy, like you said, to make it just a two-dimensional, you know, comedic relief, Yeah. Um, but he has so much depth to him and, like, back, like I was talking about earlier, that once explored kind of makes him into a real person who you can see his growth, you can understand his growth, you can understand that Natalie is like the sponge of maturity that Henry takes a little bit of along the way, so... It's it's a lot about trying to flesh out that character and not make him so two dimensional comic relief. Yeah, there
0: di- there there's so many traps to make him two dimensional or unlikable. Yeah. Um, and I I you know we're gonna do our best to avoid both. Those many things. moments where
2: you can just be like, oh wow, I hate this guy. Yeah. Cool.
0: <laughs> not that you know character should be black or white. We want to find the the gray. Right. But Mackenzie, you know we lucked out where we came in, um, where you. We're familiar with uh, Jess, who's playing Diana, and Tim, who's playing Dan, um, your character's parents, and so like you already kind of had that relationship. Um, you know, what is it like you know, trying to portray this family unit, I mean, even in you know, the few rehearsals that we've had?
3: I think I've kind of lucked out in that becoming a family hasn't been too hard just yet. Um, I did know Jess and Tim prior to doing the show, but not well. Um, But even from the first rehearsal, I mean, Jess walked right in and gave me a big hug. And I think we really just immediately all kind of clicked. I think it'll get harder, certainly, once we delve into some of the more touchy subjects of the show. Um, But there's already that sense of trust. And um, I think that's really important.
0: Mm. Yeah, I talk about that a lot, both on the podcast and while directing, that trust is the foundation of all the work we do. Especially in a show like this where all of the characters have to be extremely vulnerable and open and going through heavy emotional stuff that if you're not completely comfortable with everybody else in the room, then you're not going to be having genuine moments. There's no hiding in this show. Especially where we're doing it in such an intimate space, uh, <laughs> like the hat box. Just because the audience is going to be right in your space you're at, at the furthest away that an audience member can be
2: from you is 15 feet yeah <laughs> um, you know like i can uh, count your pores yeah they're they're, like,
0: they're going we're not gonna be able to um fake anything are there any other roles that you feel that you've had in the past that might have helped prepare you to play such a deep and complex story
3: i think venla was a big one for me i played meg boyd in a production of damn yankees um, which also had some deep emotional moments. I think my favorite thing about this show is that we're performing it in such an intimate space because I'm a big fan of dramatic acting and I love, as an audience member, sitting up close and, like, believing that the actors in front of you are going through everything they're portraying. Um, so Ven Love was a big part of that for me. I think everything I've done, honestly, in my time doing theater has led to this for me in terms of maturing as a performer and developing the skills needed to portray such heavy stuff five feet away from people.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, Zach, are there any roles in your background that you feel have prepared you for Henry?
2: Um, I, I guess so. I also did a production of Footloose a year and a half or something like that ago. Um, different production, different you know cast and all that. Um, but I was Ren that, uh, and he has this interesting relationship with... Uh, april i think her name is something like ariel ariel thank you ariel. it's been a while That's you know my favorite shows. i've been watching a lot of parks and recreation give me a break <laughs> um but he has, sorry he has an interesting relationship with ariel in the show um where she is also kind of this person who's a really interesting life where he comes from this uh semi-normal life uh, i mean he has his own problems in the show that we won't get into but they have this a similar relationship to natalie and henry where Henry uh, has a an, you know, semi-normal and she's just polar opposite from them. So I think playing Ren is, you know, I'm bringing some of that into this, whether that's subconscious or not. I guess we're just going to have to find out but yeah. as we go more into it. You know, having somebody who's normal-ish alongside somebody who's the polar opposite is something that's difficult to portray correctly, but I'm, I'm kind of bringing in, you know, that from Ren. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think, and I think you'll also find... Um,
0: as we go, that there might also be some elements of Emmett Forrest in what we do with Henry. Just oh yeah. Because uh, I feel like Ren has a brazen confidence, mm. whereas uh, you know Emmett's a little bit more reserved and unsure of things. And I think Henry kind of straddles the middle ground there, where like I think Henry wants to think that he has the brazen <laughs> confidence, but then when like push comes to shove and and shit gets real he's a little bit of uh okay maybe I'm not the the guy (laughs) I thought I was like this is okay this is too much um so you know we'll play with
2: that there's a lot of Emmett Forrest in most parts I'm playing lately (laughs) there's nothing wrong with that Emmett's a great role he has a great role Um, yeah great guy (laughs) cool we'll um, we'll come back
0: to next to normal but I feel like we've been on this little bit of a more of a depressing uh arc for the (laughs) <laughs> Past few bits. So let's find something maybe a little joyous. Again, we'll talk a little bit more about your background. Do either of you have uh, you know, dream roles or a dream show that you haven't got to work on that you absolutely need to sometime in the future?
2: Well, I don't know if it's a dream role I need to do, but um, I think it's just more of a requirement at this point. When I was four, the reason I actually got into theaters, because this is a f- popular story in my family, um, I was sitting on my couch watching SpongeBob when my when I said to my mother, uh, "Hey, mom, I want to be SpongeBob when I grow <laughs> up." So, she then interpreted that as. Let's put him in the theater. Um, okay. So I went to the theater camp, and then I you know, kept going from there. But I think it's uh, a requirement now that I do some version of you, the SpongeBob you're, show. You're going
0: to have to be SpongeBob in the New Hampshire regional premiere of Oh, yeah, because <laughs>
2: that flopped up, Not flopped, but that closed on Broadway pretty quickly. Yeah. So. <laughs> I heard good things, it but was, I, I think it was, was, great. A, just it the was a difficult sell yeah I mean, um, it's a Spongebob show that yeah. they're trying to take seriously so alright we'll we'll find moment. that for you <laughs> I'll make sure that and you if, get if that Choose if Q0 ever puts on SpongeBob, Spongebob I hope I'm your number one I'll priority. keep an out for listening please do yeah, I'll, I'll keep you in mind I'll okay. put my Emmett Forrest twist on Spongebob <laughs> <laughs> Mackenzie dream role
3: oh um this is a hard one because I have so many dream roles uh. um I have a weird <laughs> overwhelming need to someday play Ava Peron in Evita hmm. um But I would also just love to be in Chorus Line. It's my favorite show. Um, I've talked in length about it (laughs) at the rehearsal (laughs) process so far. She has. But it really is my favorite show. What is it
0: about Chorus Line that mm, makes it your favorite show?
3: It's so real. It's about performing. And I think it's like, uh, it's a love letter to Broadway and all the work that goes into it. Um, And I don't even know that I can pinpoint a dream role from that show (laughs) because I would be honored to just like,
0: be a cut dancer be be a in the opening dancer. number.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> dancer in shade. <laughs> no, I'm not. It's, it's fine that it's... It, I'm not going to say... I don't, it's not a show I personally enjoy, but I would never call it a bad show. If that's, sure. a, if that's a fair assessment. <laughs> sure. Like, I will not go out of my way to see it, but if you're like, oh, I'm in a Chorus Line, or my favorite show, I'm like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, that's a good show. It's not like you're <laughs> coming up
2: and being like,
0: Cats is oh, my favorite show.
2: Uh, Lestat. Uh, I don't care who's listening. Cats is an awful show. Yeah, I'm so sorry uh, if you like it. Starlight <laughs> Express. I'm just going to
0: keep listing Lloyd Webber musicals. <laughs> no. Oh. Mackenzie, favorite uh, theatrical memory, either as a performer or as an audience member, like what, give us like your favorite moment in theater that you've been a part of.
3: As an audience member, I saw the 2018 revival of Carousel, and I had never seen a Broadway show before. I'm not a big fan of Carousel. I'm a very big fan of contemporary musicals, so this was like really everything I wasn't going to like. Um, And I sat down and uh, the revival was choreographed by Justin Peck who works with uh, the ballet. And the start of the show is the the carousel ballet. Um, And I remember sitting there and seeing it and just being so in awe of like, what everyone was doing on stage, how much work went into it. Um, And I ended up loving the show. Um, As a performer, I played the Wicked Witch of the West in the fifth grade. (laughs) It was a dream role. Um, it was probably the highlight of my performance career to date, um, and that was really fun because it was not something I had done, and it was the first real time I was like a big role, even if it was an elementary school show. So that was really fun. I think about that a lot. <laughs> <laughs>
0: those, it's those all the early ones will stick with you, Zach. You know, on stage and
2: or off stage, favorite theatrical memories. Sure, um, I'll give you two uh, because they're pretty quickly. Um, uh, when I was doing High School Musical, I already told you this one, but oh, I want to okay, share again. I, was, I didn't want to bring it up if you didn't want to bring it up. <laughs> oh, you're no, it's it great. Uh, when I did High School Musical, there was a scene where I was supposed to come off after. I just did a get your head in the game. So I was wearing, for that number, I was wearing basketball shorts and a, and a jersey. And I had a quick scene change where I had to go off, get into jeans and like a button up or something and get back on. And I foolishly ran off and I thought I'll put the button on up first so I can put the pants on and they'll be tucked. So I did that, and I underestimated uh, or I overestimated how much time I was going to have for the button up. So by the time I went back out, I was wearing a button up and basketball shorts, <laughs> and these were uh, very short basketball shorts. So I was 80s, not wearing Henry pants. Berger oh yeah yeah, style, yeah, yeah. So I was just not wearing pants, basically. Um, so that was a very interesting scene. Uh, a love scene across Gabriella when I did that where yeah. I was wearing a button, <laughs> <laughs> button up and no pants the, and the, we never addressed The fine <laughs> art of the quick change is, uh, is Difficult. What's your uh, what was your second story gonna be? So the other one um, When I did all shook up, I had to you know ride a motorcycle and um, and I figured it'd be a fake motorcycle It wasn't It was, <laughs> a, it was, a, it was a real uh, Like 50 pound motorcycle or probably upwards of that. I don't know um, that, uh, that they, it was, it was a smart idea, because what, uh, I guess, from their point of view... Uh, it wasn't the bicycle with the CD on the front No, I know what you're referring <laughs> to, <laughs> I begged them not to use it. So, but they used the, like, this fake, like, this real motorcycle that was broken for when they did the, you know, the, with the adult cast, so when they gave it to the teen company to do it, um, they figured it'd be fine. Come to find out, uh, I'm a 5'7 guy who, uh, is too short. The to... motorcycle <laughs> probably outweighed you. Well, yes, uh, probably, I don't know, um, but but it wasn't that, it was that it was too tall. Ah. So when I was writing it, if you can picture, I can't obviously show you, if you can picture a penguin waddling at uh, 80% the speed, uh, so it's just a slow waddle. That's what it. I did, trying to look like this macho Elvis walking on stage. And then I had to turn it, and it just, it was a. It was a disaster from my point of view. I was told it looked fine, but from my point of view, I felt like a leather penguin. And it was an interesting experience that I'll never forget. It's hard to be the coolest guy on stage (laughs) when when, you're you're (laughs) you're (laughs) 5'7".
0: Final thoughts. Why should people come see Next to Normal?
3: I, s- I struggle to use the word important because we've talked about how little <laughs> that can mean. Because
0: it gets thrown around too, gets much.
3: Thrown <laughs> too much. It gets thrown around too
0: much. People tell you their, again, people people tell you their production of Cats is important.
3: Yeah, but, um, We're really
0: just shitting on Cats here, aren't we? That's <laughs> Have you not listened to the podcast? That's half our content. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So, yeah. Talk to me about why people come see Next Normal. It is an important show.
3: Yeah. Um, it touches on a lot of topics that are super relevant, and I think that's super important. Um... In the short time we've been rehearsing, maybe three ish weeks now, I am already so incredibly proud of what this cast is putting together. There have been times in rehearsals when I'm watching something that I'm not involved in, and I'm like, awestruck that this has happened in such a short amount of time, and I can't imagine where it's gonna go from here. Um, so you're not gonna wanna miss it. It's mm. gonna be really, really incredible.
0: Zach, same question. Why should people come see you *Next to Normal*? You can't
2: repeat any points.
3: In oh,
0: I was anxiety. definitely going to. <laughs> That's the issue.
2: Um, it's super important, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like you said, it, it's it's pretty important, especially for when this the show was made. It was around a time when mental illness wasn't depicted correctly or very like really. Back mm. when you know what was on when this was coming out, um, and nowadays we have things like we have you know more shows that are focusing on it like real yeah. they're still limited but there's a couple here and there that weren't there before I, I think
0: you wouldn't get like a fun home or a dear Evan Hansen without, without next, next, to next to normal because it
2: kind of launched that uh, talk of mental illness which is a good thing to have nowadays but real raw emotions totally and it's it's this especially in this show it's not really um, uh, watered you know watered down it's kind of just like this is Awful. <laughs> this is not good. Yeah. Um and it shows like the effects it has on everyone and it's 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 super it's super real, if I'm not gonna say important. <laughs> it's 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 super genuine, especially which I also love that we're doing it in such an intimate space because it, it also adds to it. So and it's something that you probably won't find on something, you know, that wouldn't it's not something that would work yeah. if it weren't done with the right people and I, I feel like we have the right cast and I also mm-hmm. am awestruck in rehearsals, especially yeah. at how hard the music is. I, I mean, difficult. I I will
0: say, we like, we came into auditions, like, so worried that, like, we were going to not have what we needed, even though, like, we were seeing an, a huge number of people, especially, I mean, where Q Zero is so young, it's sometimes hard to get the word out about auditions, but we saw, like, a record number of people, but we just, um, you guys, you know, came and brought exactly what we were looking for, and we're like, this, we felt good that we could, you know, put this together and then that first read through we was just like we made all the right decisions <laughs> uh been so far so good um yeah so I'm looking forward to the next I mean two well we've got about two months together I mean the show I mean today's you know third week of June the show closes the third week of August so yeah next couple weeks are gonna be pretty intense so I hope <laughs> you guys are ready to be vulnerable and cry a lot in rehearsals but all in a good place um So thanks for taking the time to chat with me, guys. Again, Next Normal runs two weekends, opening August 16th through the 25th at the Hatbox Theater in Concord, New Hampshire. Tickets on sale now, hatboxnh.com. This is artistic director Dan Pelletier. I'd like to thank Zach Byron and Mackenzie Goodwin for letting me interview them today. And as we always say, support local theater and join the revolution.